New jingle, new voices. Welcome to this special guest season of Retrain Your Brain with me, chartered psychologist Dr. Audrey Tang. In this season, I am privileged to speak to so many well-being guest experts to learn all about their field and to give you loads of practical tips and tools to live your best life. Tonight we are talking about managing trauma and trauma doesn't have to be these massive events. It can be things like noticing that a parent dismissed your feelings or a feeling of being neglected. There can be so many things that we go through in childhood or even as we grow older that can affect us. And it's my absolute pleasure to have in the lounge today, Olga Rodvers, who's going to tell me about how she's supporting people in being able to move through trauma. So welcome to the lounge, Olga. Audrey, I couldn't have expected a better welcoming. <laughs> Thank you oh. for your kind words. Pleasure to be here. It's my pleasure to have you here. And it's such an important topic because, I mean, it comes out in my first question, which is how does our experience of relationships and interactions as children impact us as adults? When we're little, we experience our world as just the whole. We know that our emotional brain is developed. So we we feel we have you know, the fear, the love, uh, the anger, the sadness. But our prefrontal cortex, our cognitive brain, let's say, is not still fully developed. Mm. So we still don't have those critical thinking or fully processes. That means that what we experience it mm. is, is a face value. Mm. Everything that we, we take is, we take it in, we're sponges absorbing our own, like all the world, right? Mm. Um, as uh, John Bowlby explained in his attachment theory, uh, he defined attachment as uh, the lasting psychological connectedness between human beings. Basically, that means that when, uh, because of our human nature, we need a safe space for connectedness and, uh, and loving relationship with one another, that psychological bond formed between parents and children. Mm-hmm. And that is so important and it can, it definitely marks our expectations our fears, our, our way of, li- of seeing life, our beliefs. When I was little, um, sadly, um, I lived in a very dysfunctional family. Mm-hmm. So um, my mother, I'm saying this not on purpose, right? But it's how I experienced it. I want to be very clear <laughs> on that. Um, um, for me, what I received, it was that I was never good enough, mm-hmm. right? I was little, so I felt rejected. I felt that my that the love was conditional, that I had to be perfect, that I had to be quiet, that unless I did that, mm. I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I didn't deserve, let's say, to be loved. Mm. What happened then is that that idea, or more than an idea, that feeling, those feelings in, in, inside my body, they they stood, they stood there. Mm. So in my you know, posterior, like the adolescence, the adulthood, and when I start creating new relationships, I go, I'm pleased. It's like, oh, wow, I did this, right? Like, no, no, I have to be perfect. I have to say, yes, I cannot set up the boundaries. All of these problems that we, we find out sooner or later. Yeah. And uh, we, through self-reflection, um, self-awareness, of course, the help of beautiful therapists to probably mark my my way now, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I discovered what I wasn't doing. I discovered that I wasn't putting 
my needs out there mm. you know and it's that deep question of but if I love you and I want you to be happy mm. and I will ask you for what you need and what I can give you why I cannot ask that myself mm. right mm. very mm. rooted um it, yeah very very powerful and I do suspect some of our listeners will be going oh that sounds like me I <laughs> I get that or I'm a people pleaser is um, that because of something rooted in childhood and it it possibly is because as you're saying we have those experiences but we haven't got the cognitive ability to really understand them for what they are exactly. and then we learn to almost create these strategies if we make the association if I get an A in my exam, I get a treat or people like me. We yeah. need to continue getting A's in our exams or A's in whatever it is we do. Otherwise, we feel worthless. And it's a hard thing to get out of, especially because getting an A and succeeding is actually quite a positive. It's, it's a good skill to have. Yeah. <laughs> but at what cost? Exactly. Now, if we find ourselves in that situation, so hmm. we are a people pleaser, perhaps, yeah. mm-hmm. but we don't know it. How yes. do we begin to recognize, hmm. hang on a minute, this is not healthy behavior? Mm-mm. Yeah. So how do we get to that state of self-awareness? Yes. Kind of, right, okay, I got it. Now <laughs> I have to change it, right? Yeah. <sighs> brilliant question because that's so difficult to do Um, you know what I tend to say is that sometimes our memories can tell us little lies because memory is very selective right so we have our pictures or we remember this conversation now what is usually not going to lie to you is your body yes your emotions yeah you know you feel anger oh my god you feel sadness oh what's this yeah. Your emotions are not going to lie. So I would start with, okay, how am I, how am I feeling right now? Um, like this is, this is unhealthy, but why? And more importantly, not only when you make the choice, because of course, sometimes when you make the choice, imagine I have a craving, I want something sweet that you feel good for a short period of time. Yeah. But in the long term, how do you feel about it, right? Like, yes. <laughs> I'm yes. saying, please, no one said, don't take the chocolate because I love chocolate. I'm not a diet person, but it was just an example, you know, yeah. to, to put it through. Now, a second question that came to my mind is like, okay, great. What if I'm disconnected from my emotions? Mm. And, oh, I, okay, that's very good and well, but if I don't know how I'm feeling, how do I how do I know it's an unhealthy choice Mm. and I always say okay let's go root to the basics so emotions are energy Mm. the energy is stored in our bodies one way or the other Mm. so instead of thinking on emotions think how are my energy levels Mm. why is this given to me right like I might end up excited exhilarated I'm happy I'm feeling joyful or just peaceful calm but it's positive Mm. or on the opposite I'm feeling oof I'm I'm feeling a lot of negativity I'm feeling sad all of a sudden I'm I'm exhausted I'm I'm tired you know Mm. um I can put you I remember uh, one of my clients oh my god she was absolutely beautiful and brilliant so intelligent and uh she, she she wasn't sure exactly what was going on but Mm. she kept saying I'm tired Mm. I'm very tired you know Mm. like 
I'm all the time tired. I'm exhausted. I, I get home and I don't want to do anything else. I don't have energy for anything else. So we keep exploring this feeling that, okay, so it's not exactly sad, anger, you know, curiosity, but it's just tiredness. What is it? Yeah. She realized um, that work was the main source. Mm. Every time she went to work, she described me, I remember, as soul crashing. And I was thinking, wow, I mean, that's, that's a heavy, powerful, isn't it? powerful description, right? Because she, she hated it there, but she didn't know. And yeah. it was that feeling constant that was like, she was doing extra hours. She didn't feel recognized. Then she had a lot of negativity around it for one circumstances or the other. And she was just tired. Mm. So then when we come back to it, like, okay, what can we do about it? How do you have fun? Let's explore what makes you feel if it's not great because you don't know it's still maybe what makes you happy or brings you joy, let's take it as a game. Let's take it as an exploration of what puts your energy levels up, what makes you feel better, right? I like that. I think that's very important. Yes, yes. And it's interesting you bring this up because I was at delivering a training session yesterday and somebody asked about uh, recognizing emotions because I think that's really difficult to be able to pinpoint. Um, So now you might have your own views on this. (laughs) This is the only one I've seen. Uh, There's an emotion wheel. So this is for our listeners out there as well. There is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Basic gives you the basic emotions like happy, sad, anger, fear, uh, love, whatever. But then it branches those out into sad. Is it lonely or is it pain? And then lonely is branched out into rejection or something else and and so on. And whatever you think of how you use the wheel, the way I use it is (laughs) to look at the wheel and then be able to almost follow a thread of, okay, I'm feeling tired or sad. Yeah. But then actually, is it tired or sad or is it something a little bit deeper? Or is it deeper or is it deeper? And worryingly, a lot of it for me comes down to rejection and yeah. like yourself, not feeling good enough. And yeah. which I think is a side of rejection. It is definitely. <laughs> so it's, it's absolutely fascinating, which kind of is why I've asked the next one, which is how do we, we've pinpointed it now and mm-hmm. say it is rejection that we're feeling. That's not good enough. Okay. Well, how do we manage that? I'm so glad you brought the wheel up because I also work with emotions and it's so healthy because we haven't, we don't learn to manage them, don't we? Yeah. So we learn when we're adults later on in life. So it's so important to know exactly what I said in order to deal yeah. it. But okay, so we are with rejection. Now, one of the main things for me is if you, when I look at rejection, right, or the inner fear of rejection, mm-hmm. I think, okay, what is the opposite of fear? Love. Mm-hmm. What is the opposite of rejection? Mm-hmm. Acceptance. Mm-hmm. So I think, okay. In order to deal with my fear of rejection, mm. I would need to cultivate my self-acceptance and my self-love. Yes. Because it all comes back, like come down to that, right? Like that that fear, as we spoke before, of not being good enough. Yeah. Um, or not feeling treating well. Now that's of course easier said than done. <laughs> because we all know it. Um so for little steps, uh, one thing that that's helped me, I'm going to give you two reframings because it, it helped me and it helped my clients of right. what I've seen. Um, one is remembering that what we see as rejection is a choice. It's not really the rejection towards us. 
-hmm. it's a choice in that particular moment for example if i right i invite you to dinner and i I ask you what do you prefer uh an italian or a chinese restaurant and Mm -hmm. you love both and you Mm -hmm. go and tell me italian okay let's go yeah that that means does that mean that uh, rejecting completely the chinese food no way (laughs) actually no way we love it right now at that particular time in that specific you know circumstances a moment it it wasn't for us so when we go to an interview and we are rejected from Mm. like quote quote right um from the possession maybe we weren't supposed to be there maybe not at that time maybe it was just a choice within all the candidates or when we had someone on a date well maybe it just didn't suit that way but that doesn't make us as our whole person wrong right because there's there's a difference between being you like wrong and just not being well the choice at that particular moment yeah so that's one um and the other uh for me is just failure or rejection or this this fear of failure too is linked Mm. It's not that, it's, it's learning. How are you going to learn if you don't fail? If you don't make mistakes? We can't. Like, I know I made thousands of mistakes, and I, mean, I still have loads, way more to go. Uh, but in every single one of them, either a lot or a little, I've learned. Mm. I've learned a lot from them, and I wouldn't change them because I wouldn't be the person who I am today. Yeah. Um, and um you know, the inspiration for this reframing uh, was Brene Brown. So I'm a massive, massive fan of her work. I cannot straight enough. <laughs> yes, and you're not the first guest to mention her. I'm know, also right? a big fan. In, in her book, Raising Strong, she goes, vulnerability is not winning or losing. Mm. It's having the courage to show up and be seen when we have no control over the outcome. So vulnerability is not weakness. It's our greatest measure of, of courage. Yeah. And when I read that, I was like, man, this is general. <laughs> yeah. And it, it has helped me since. Um, because it's so true. We put ourselves out there. Yeah, and we're scared of being rejected. Mm. We're scared of failing. But we're having the courage to show up. Mm. So remembering that is, I think, it's a massive tool. It's a massive asset to have. Yes. Yes. And that brings me on to what are your top three tools that will help us to love ourselves more? I mean, reframing is an absolutely wonderful one. Mm. Do you have any other little little gems in there? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, actually, one um, is great because it's coming back to our very first question when we spoke about um, how trauma affects us or our decisions and how you know, we would ask a friend. So I always say the core of an exercise that I use is thinking first of someone that you really, really love. Mm-hmm. Someone, you know, that you, you, you care for and and you you cannot imagine your life without them probably. Um, and then imagine that they're coming to you mm-hmm. asking for your problem. So they're putting your words, but in them, right? They're coming saying, oh, I'm having this problem with my partner or at work or, you know, et cetera. And then... What would you tell them? Yeah. How would you behave? Not only tell them in a sense of kindness or love, but, you know, would you hug them? Of course, would you love them? Of course, you would treat them with such beauty and kindness, right? So if they deserve that, you deserve that too. 
Yeah. But it's way more difficult to do with ourselves. Yes. Because yes. we are yeah. our worst critic, um, which leads me to my second tool. The second would be once you're aware of this mm. and that critic voice, genuinely create a dialogue with it. Mm. You know, that you can just go playfulness back and forth, but not taking it as, oh my God, I'm going to talk to this monster in my head, let's say, you know, like, yes. <laughs> um, because slowly you start to be aware of if it's actually your voice or just your parents' voice that you learned and you have embedded, but you, you don't know that you have, right? Yes. I even get nicknames for voices, which is great. <laughs> yes, actually, that's a very powerful one. And sometimes yes. it's naming the voice. If you don't, you can call it a bully, just yeah. label it, or you can name it someone you don't like. And it's easier or, to, yeah. it to get out of your head. And the last one, because we're still talking about being connected to, to people, mm. taking three people mm. that you really love and that you trust and just ask them, what do you like about me? Like, what are my strengths or my best qualities, right? Mm. And the other is like, how would you describe me to your loved ones if you just talk about me, right, in, in mm. conversation? To, to put less pressure, right, they can write to you in an email or in a WhatsApp about you, depending on how, how you develop that relationship. But I've seen so many that they, they came out, right? They came back after the questions with even tears in their eyes thinking uh-huh. and saying, I, I, I've received these compliments and I, I, didn't, I didn't know I had them. Because we need not only to experience ourselves from us, but we need to know how the world experiences us, mm. how other people experience us. And when we receive that feedback, that feedback goes against the negative that we receive when we were little, Yes. You know, that, that, that creates a different cognition saying, hey, a different belief. Like, I have, I have this. What if I start seeing myself in the light of these eyes? I, I find that, that very powerful. Oh, incredibly. Because if, even if you don't believe it, the fact is there is evidence there. And that evidence will build and it will build. And hopefully at some point that little click will happen and you'll, you'll be able to change and see reality for what it is and and it's so exciting oh my goodness I could talk to you all day Olga Um, (laughs) how can we find out more about your work and follow you on the socials yes of course you can so uh, my practice is called wholehearted psychology um so the you can visit the website which is uh net, and I have the same name in instagram um, and then in LinkedIn, it's just my name, Olga Rodbas. Um, of course, uh, I'm always happy to, to take any queries. So, you know, my email is on the website, just with my name. And you can just write me any doubts that you got. Um, I, I work with individual clients. Um, I love doing communication workshops. Some of them will be coming soon in summer. Um, one I love it because it's called uh, Saying No is Self-Care. I think I've done that. Um, and then, yeah, well, I will keep you on the loop because I'm waiting for my book to be published, which is regarding to um, increase confidence at work. So it's called Thriving at Work, a uh, roadmap to increase your confidence. And it's through the Book Boom editorial. Um, Amazing. Yeah, so I, I like any of those, but the easiest is the website because everything is there uh, or either a message through LinkedIn or Instagram. Fantastic. I'm so excited. Thank you so much, Olga. Thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. I love it. 
And that's all we have time for. But if you'd like to find out more, do go to my website, which is www.draudreyt.com and check out my articles, which give you practical tools to live your best life. Or you can go to my YouTube channel, which is Dr. Audrey Tang, Tools to Thrive.